Hello. Greetings. It is Friday, the 19th of June, here in Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. And welcome to The Way It Is, the official Bobby Galinsky podcast. I am your official Bobby Galinsky. You notice how I just kind of came in just a little bit late after the intro there, just to give you that little tweak to think, oh, maybe something's wrong. You probably looked at your phone or whatever it was you were streaming this on. Anyway, maybe you didn't. Got to think of something different every time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. The weather's great all along the world, all around the world, 17 degrees here in Melbourne. It's going to be big thunderstorms tonight, and I noticed that in London, Los Angeles, and Munich, where we have a lot of listeners, the weather seems to be fine, just fine, although that's a word my wife hates me using. She hates fine. In fact, when she wants to make a a girl's ketchup with her friends, and she'll suggest a restaurant, you know, 1 p.m. at, uh, you know, Kuyong Lawn Tennis Club or something, and the girls text fine. She hates that because she thinks it's like, oh, fine, instead of that's fine. And it is interesting, one of the nuances of the English language, how fine, like fine jewelry, fine art can be so exacting, but turn it into a descriptive word of an event, adjective or adverb, and uh, it changes completely. Well, isn't that fine? Well, I hope you've had a fine week. It has been one hell of a week. We've all woken up and we're all racists now, and there's no more statues. So it's a little easy to park the car without any statues if you live in a major city. And you don't have to be nice to people anymore, which is really easy because we're all racist. So it doesn't matter what we say or what we do. And uh, I have lobbied to have every film and TV show completely removed from all streamers, from all sources, all distribution. Let's just go back into the dark ages and uh, let's just have radio. Although, might be a few radio shows like Amos and Andy and even the Prairie Home Companion, for those of you that know what that is, which was quite a show. I emulate this to be a superior podcast over a period of time that will have more longevity, more, more longevity and more depth and breadth. But uh, that was an interesting show. I hope you've had a good week. I'm not even going to go into the darkness, but we've got a fully loaded, heavy, jam-packed show. And it's um, we're doing it for the ladies and the gentlemen. We've got a lot of female-driven stories. Not a lot. One, that's plenty. And a couple male-driven stories. One, that's plenty. We're keeping it real even-handed here. Real gender fair, not gender neutral, gender fair. And uh, I've been painting all week. We've been uh, painting the apartment. Got got to be a little bit of disclosure here. We've had painters in, but I've had to move all the furniture. I fucking hate moving furniture. I'm sorry, they go straight into an F-bomb straight away, but I just hate it. I just absolutely hate it. Um, many years ago, I got a double hernia moving a giant cabinet many, many years ago. And uh, it was like God saying, you know what? Don't move stuff. No physical labor for you. It'll mess up the manicure and it'll give you a hernia. 
But uh, we got it mostly done, and the place doesn't smell like paint fumes. I guess paint technology has come a long way. And uh, putting the pictures back on the wall, and just put, just put a beautiful picture up on the wall that was, uh, just thought I'd mention it, painted by a, a local man, Steve Rosendale, who I've never met, but I've spoken to on social media over the past 15 years or so. And he actually just became a member of my men's club, the Melbourne Savage Club. So I'm hoping to meet him in person at some point. For those of you in the know or not in the know, that's uh, a club. We have uh, an associate club in London, the original Savage Club, and of course the Melbourne Savage Club, which was founded in the 1800s here in the city. Now, it's not a men's club like, you know, Spearmint Rhino uh, or something like that, or uh, the Cheetah Bar, things like that. It's a men's club where gentlemen sit around and we chat, and we drink, and we eat, and um, we just talk. And often we argue madly, like a social media troll psychopathic argument, but we all end as friends because that's what social discourse is about, being able to differ on issues but end up friends. And that's the antisocial part of social media. It actually shouldn't be called social media. But the Melbourne Savage Club is in this gorgeous, gorgeous old building downtown. Now, we don't have women members. I know some people know that and they harangue us about it, but we do allow women as guests and speakers and things from time to time. So it's, is it old school? Yes. But uh, no different in my mind than, let's say, a ladies-only gym, Fernwood Fitness or something like that. So, you know, I'm not allowed there, and uh, nor do I want to be. Why do people want to go where they're not wanted? I don't know. That's a strange one. Very strange one. Anyway, I hung this Rosendale back up on the wall, and uh, it's a stunning, dreamy, very tall, it's almost five feet tall, about three feet wide, um, unusual picture of a girl walking away in the rain. And um, it just resonated with me when I first saw it in the window of a store on Chapel Street in South Yarra, um, must have been 15 years ago. And I just walked past the window and I saw this piece of art. And I, I couldn't live without it. There was just something about it, like the the search, the search, chasing after someone in the rain and just wanting to know who it is. And what I love about it is that my wife absolutely adores the picture too. So it's almost like a prophecy. I was I was looking for that right person, that perfect person. And uh, you couldn't can't see the face on it. You only see her walking away in the rain and it's got a feeling like you're you're catching up to her just to say hi. And uh, my wife loves it, so maybe she thinks as she should, that she was that person I was pursuing and, and finally found. And uh, I know that sounds a bit sooky and romantic, but that's how I feel when I look at that picture and think that I have captured the right person in my heart, and she has captured me. I guess we got to use the watch the term captured now, too. Uh, you know, not captured like a Belgian guy would put girls in his basement and lock them up and abuse them. That's a bit different. You know what I mean. Kind of watch every word you say these days. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, so we're going to, and we're going to have an interview with a couple of artists. Um, Richard Payne in a, in a very near show, uh, who's 
a magnificent local artist also. We'll be talking about a couple uh, movies today, Bad Education, Hugh Jackman, as maybe you've never seen him, and The Vast of Night, which is an obscure horror sci-fi film that I got turned on to um, totally out of the blue on social media. And a very sad story about a young lady who uh, died seven years ago that was involved in the Greg Allman biopic in Georgia in the United States. And something that just came out of that and what has uh, transpired for the director of that film who was never supposed to direct again and now just has. And we'll be talking about sweets. I have just discovered the most amazing and amazing isn't even the term, incandescent ice cream. And I am, uh, I have a sweet tooth. I really have a sweet tooth. This ice cream is better than most sex any of you would ever had. Unbelievable. And uh, I know that because I have video. But uh, we'll talk about that. And one of the things that's quite amazed me in the world of technology a fellow named Steve Bird, who writes for the the Telegraph, the Telegraph in London, has uh, written an article about a virtual changing room app. Um, if any of you have ever taken a selfie in a tra- changing room, I'm a total narcissist and a wanker, so you know I have. I'll go in the changing room, I'll try on some clothes, I'll shoot the picture, and I'll text it or email it to my wife and go, how do I look in this? And uh, she'll say, like you're 70 trying to be 20. I go, but do you like it? And we know how that ends. And uh, this virtual changing room app, which is being developed by Amazon, regrettably, the evil dark overlord, Steve, Jeff Bezos, slave trader, white slave trader, um, but entrepreneur. We love his entrepreneurial skills. Anyway, this app actually will mine all of your social media photos. And then when you go into a changing room, ladies, let's say you're you're trying on a uh, pair of seven for all mankind jeans or an Escada pantsuit or some Valentino trousers or whatever like that. Or gentlemen, such as ourselves, trying on a pair of jeans or a Craig Green suit or whatever. It will mine your photos and it will put those clothes, that clothing article, in all of those pictures or selected amounts of those pictures that you've shot so that you can actually see yourself walking, running, jogging, eating in those actual clothes. You can actually see them, how they move, and how they look on you and everything like that. This is mind-numbing technology mind-numbing technology. One, it'll almost eliminate returns, which kills stores. Retail stores are dying anyway. Um, Big day, though. uh, Selfridges in London reopened this week. So, thank God. Uh, That's more important than any of these riots. And uh, it's going to fix up returns. It will end any doubt of how it actually looks on you, you know, when you get home. might look good in the changing room, but might not look good at home. And it's just staggering. Technology like that absolutely staggers me. And a very impressive article. And uh, we're going to talk about some relaxing places for you to go when travel is opened up. 
for you in the London area, Chewton Glen, Cliveden. Um, those of you that live in the UK, we've got a lot of listeners in the UK. Uh, the benefits of that and cruising. Would you get on a cruise ship after all of this stuff? I would get on a river cruise ship again. I've done river cruising and I really like it. It's very relaxing. Now it's not just for old people like you might imagine, although the average age is not like a uh, carnival cruise Lebanese bachelor party for 18-year-olds on meth who are angry and want to start a fight on the main deck at 5 p.m. every day. So it's a bit classier. It's a bit quieter. It's a bit more sedate. And uh, also, I just have to, I almost have to apologize. I never apologize because apologizing is really bad. You just got to get it right the first time. If you get it right the first time, you should never apologize. I do apologize when I've mistakenly insulted someone or been wrong or something like that. But if someone just goes, oh, you shouldn't say that, you go, why? I said it at the time. I meant it. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people that did blackface 20 years ago or made gay jokes 20 years ago or made retarded people jokes 20 years ago at the time didn't think, wow, in 20 years, there's going to be an app. What's an app? Don't worry about it. On my smartphone, what's a smartphone? Don't worry about it. It'd be called Twitter. And someone will dig up that you did something that's funny today, but is going to offend somebody in the future. Well, how would you know what's going to offend somebody 20 years from now? How would anybody know? People go, oh, I really should have thought that through. No, nobody is smart enough to think that through because at the time, that is the norm. That is pushing the envelope at the, at the time and having some fun, not meant to be at someone's expense. That was acceptable then. Is it acceptable now? Apparently not. So you wouldn't do it now. Anyway, um, how did I even get on that? What was I talking about? I'll probably have to go back and review this and edit it. And I hate editing. But anyway, we're going to carry on. Oh, apology. Natalie Barr. Do you remember Natalie Barr in the first episode or second episode? She's a Channel 7 newsreader. I said that she looks mean because she has looked mean for as long, as many years as I can imagine. She's kind of had that mean stare. Well, this isn't an apology. It's an update. It's a correction. I've been watching Channel 7 News here in Australia, Victoria. And not only is she smiling more, but she's got a totally new stylist and lighting there. And she's dressing very well, very chic, and got a new look. And not only does she not look mean, she actually looks friendly. Maybe she's been to a personal development seminar. Maybe she's on lots of lithium. I don't know. But... She's crossed the line into likable. So that's not an apology. That's an update, but I will always give an update where necessary. Where necessary. Uh, and lastly, what we're going to be talking about, and uh, that's kind of a dark area to talk about, of course, but sometimes we do go into the darkness. Have you ever written 
a complaint letter? Come on, answer. Answer me! Answer me! Oh, that's right. It's a podcast. You can't. (sighs) Have you ever written a complaint letter? I know you have. I write thousands of letters every year. 99.72653% are thank yous and accolades. Go to a restaurant, great service, great food. I don't even care if it's just a little diner. I'll search out their website. I'll find their Instagram. I'll find their Twitter. Um, In Iowa, I'll look on their MySpace. You know, they're still there on MySpace. Uh, The Normandy is still there on MySpace. And I will say, wow, was just there with um, my wife or friends or business or whatever. And uh, great food, great service. And the car is fixed and they go beyond. Well, you know, you listen to this every week. If you don't listen to this every week, you will, I hope. But that point, point, point percentage of a percentage point that is a complaint letter, I usually try and be very cheeky and clever and satirical so that the complaint is seen in a constructive manner. Rarely do I eviscerate and destroy a business. There's just no point. Unless you've been there two or three times and it, it, it's so grotesque that you've got to. They, they, they just need it. The, the kid gloves don't work. Got to come out with the taser. Well, a lovely couple in Natick, Massachusetts, as reported in the Boston Globe, in an amazing, amazing article by Travis Anderson, wrote something less, less than nice about eBay. I'll put the article up in my show notes so that you can read it yourself. But let's just say that six people have been indicted on uh, crossing interstate lines to make threats and threaten lives and cyber-stalking, fire to commit great bodily harm on this family by doing such innovative things, such as putting bloody pig's masks, fly larvae, and spiders in their letterbox, threatening to kill them, texting pornography and sending pornography to all their neighbors, everything, all because they wrote a letter that eBay did not like. And, quote unquote, the manager of that eBay division said, we are going to bring this family down. Um, That freaks me out. But you read the article, and we'll talk about that a bit more. You will freak out too. So I'm sitting here with Stefan. Stefan, my beautiful, beautiful Siamese cat, who uh, is looking over everything. And, and you know from episode one, cats are far superior to dogs as sentient beings and, and uh, protectors. Although I do love all animals. I'm going to put a caveat on that. I do love all animals. But we've got possums here in Australia. And of course, in New Zealand, land of the wrong white crowd, where everything is messed up, they do one thing right there. They close their borders straight away to end the Wuhan flu, or ostensibly the Wuhan flu. And possums are a pest, so you can kill them, because they're a pest. Here, possums are a protected species. So they are destroying my ornamental pear trees in the back garden. And I do love my ornamental pear trees. 
and I also love animals. But I'm on the verge now of wanting to kill those possums. I really am. Except I talk my talk myself out of it every night thinking, no, no, you can't kill an animal. Certainly couldn't poison an animal. But I could sit out there with a couple of really nice four pillars martinis, beautiful gin, have about five of them. And then when I see those little possums coming up the trees, just blast them! Bam, 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 bam! <laughs> Dead possums. I suspect the neighbors would report me, and since discharging a firearm in Australia is a very difficult thing to do these days. Not impossible, not illegal, but uh, lots of rules. I think the benefits might be outweighed by the negativity. But I can tell you one thing. If I did do that and the police came to my house or pulled me over in a car, one thing we've all learned this week that the mainstream media just can't get right, no matter what color you are, if the police stop you and they're going to detain you. Okay, everybody, everybody ready? Got a pen, paper, tablet, iPad? Newton, do not resist. No matter if you're right or wrong, if the police are going to detain you, do not resist the police, okay? And then things won't end badly. Do things end badly when you resist? Yes, they do. Okay, that's a very, very simple lesson. Could the police be doing the wrong thing? They could be. But if you resist, will it get worse? Most likely. Now, Anyone above age three can remember that. Some people don't. All right. Now, bad education. Speaking of bad education, let's talk about an amazing movie. Oh, and before I forget, before we talk about bad education, wherever you are right now, uh, especially if you're listening on your phone, snap a selfie or go grab your phone wherever you are whether you're in bed, in the spa, in the crack house, in the church, in the synagogue, whatever, snap that photo, send it to me at bobby at apexfeline.com, B-O-B-B-Y at A-P-E-X-F-E-L-I-N-E.com, apexfeline, as in Top Cat, and be in the competition, which we've been talking about, which ends on the 1st of July. For the grooviest, how do you listen to Bobby photo? Make sure you've got a modicum of clothing on. That would be nice. I don't want any strange things coming through the internet that that I don't request. But uh, as you can see on Facebook and social media, they're starting to come in, and it's a competition, and I'm giving something away. It'll be really good. I don't know what it will be, but it'll be something good. might be 100 kilos of pure cocaine. Because on this day, June 19th, 1991, Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar surrendered to police. So we might be giving all that cocaine away, but probably not. And also on this day, what a fantastic segue that was, really. In 1862, slavery was outlawed in U.S. territories. Some people may have forgotten that this past few weeks, but slavery was outlawed in U.S. territories. And uh, on this day in music, Loretta Lynn, Loretta Lynn in 1960 records, I'm a honky-tonk girl. And who would call right in the middle? 
Oh, my God. Well, as you're probably guessing, one, I hadn't turned the phone off, which I don't because it could be important. My wife's out. She might be having a road problem or something like that. And God forbid I'd hate to miss a call if she was being, you know, abducted and killed on the highway and I didn't have the phone on. Um, I'd never forgive myself. Although, boy, would I have a story at the funeral in the wake. Um, boy, I miss my wife. But let me tell you, have I learned to keep the volume on my phone? Anyway, um, that was the Bank of Queensland. This is a, see right away. I needed a, an accolade right there. That was the Bank of Queensland, the lovely Ellie at the Hampton Branch, and I had a charge that I thought was an incorrect charge on my credit card because with this Wuhan flu thing, suddenly. They don't take cash, which I've talked about in an earlier episode, and I hate that places don't take cash. And it's also a government conspiracy to control and find out where all your money is um, and to stop the black market paying cash to tradies and workers and stuff like that. So they declare it. So it's a bit diabolical. Uh, anyway, I uh, so I've been doing that tapping thing, and I hate tapping, and my wife hates tapping. She can never keep track of it. Anyway, there was a tap that I didn't know. And it turns out that um, it wasn't a, uh, you know, hack or anything like that. It was my own charge. It was the Kokoro Sushi Bar on Church Street in Brighton. But they've got one of those strange little things where it doesn't come up as Kokoro Sushi Bar. It comes up as like, you know, in some other state and territory. So I thought it was Chinese nationalists from the Communist Party trying to hack into me because... Every time I think about the Wuhan flu, I think, fuck China. Because when this is all over, we're going to make them pay. And they are going to pay. Not the people. The people are lovely. But the Communist Party and their economy, we are going to bomb them back into the Stone Age. Or something. Anyway, so that's Ellie, who gets the service, customer service of the week. Thanks, Ellie. Anyway, by the way, that's interesting because... Um, I do have a five-foot-tall stuffed cheetah here in the house, kind of a stuffed stuffed animal that we like, and uh, its name is Ellie. And by the way, those of you that are wondering, when did you get another Siamese cat, Bobby, that, you know, knew Stefan was on the desk? It's stuffed. It's stuffed. I'm not allowed to have more Siamese cats. That's a, that's a long story. We'll go into that a bit later. But back into on this day in history, man, am I quick off the mark today. Birthdays, Wallace Simpson and Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, who millennials today only know about his disease. Oh, Lou Gehrig's disease. No one knows he was such a legend baseball player. And Wallace Simpson. Wallace Simpson, who is channeled into Meghan Markle today, um, a woman that caused an abdication. And we'll see how well that one ends in time to come. I do kind of like Harry and Meghan. I don't mind them. Um, I like the Queen. I like the monarchy. We never had anything like that in the U.S. People say it was the Kennedys. Bullshit. Kennedys were trash. Absolute trash. Uh, and look what JFK did for, you know, convertibles. Ruined the convertible market. Um, shocking. But... Um, I don't mind Harry and Meghan. I have better things to do than to, to worry about them. And also, a birthday today, Mo Howard. Mo Howard of the Three Stooges, born on 1897. Wow. Okay, that's today in history. You're up to date. And um, 
So now let's talk about bad education. Bad education is uh, on Netflix here in Australia. I believe it was released theatrically in the U.S. I'm, it's probably on Netflix uh, everywhere. And it stars Hugh Jackman, and it's a 2019 American very dark comedy drama that was directed by relative newcomer Corey Fenley, who had done one uh, film that I don't think anybody saw before that, and written by Mike Mikowski. Mike Mikowski, interesting, is um, a former student of the gentleman Frank Tassone, played by Hugh Jackman, who uh, was an administrator in a Long Island school. He was a superintendent in the Long Island School District of Roslyn and is the largest public school embezzlement in American history. This guy took zillions out of the school district under the pretext of fake projects and, you know, skywalks and things like that. And um, it's an amazing story. It's especially timely and topical because of the educational scandal with the um, Los Angeles and New York celebrities paying to get their kids into college and stuff like that. And this was about under the pretext of this high school in this district being the best so that it could be preparatory for college and university. But what I love about it is that Hugh Jackman lets himself look bad, lets himself have foibles. And when he does that, when he's not just the, you know, good looking screen king, and he is getting older, we're all getting older, um, and he shows his dark side and his weak side. That's when he's at his best. I previously thought the best work he's ever done was in The Prestige, the Christopher Nolan film that uh, also starred Christian Bale. The Prestige and, uh, of course, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Have you seen Michael Caine, Mr. Escobar? Michael Caine. Um, the Prestige is one of my absolute favorite all-time films. And Hugh Jackman is epic in it as the person who wants it all but cannot have it all. A must-see. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it tonight. But Bad Education follows his descent from top superintendent to unraveling his faux marriage and a few other things. I don't want to put a lot of spoilers in, but not only is it a true story, and I love true stories, but it's so well written from a newcomer standpoint and so well directed from a relative newcomer standpoint that that you totally understand their motivation and why the Hugh Jackman character did what he did in cahoots with the Alice and Janie character. Now, that is a little bit of a spoiler, but it comes quite early on in the piece. Um, and it actually helps you get through a somewhat muddled beginning. Anyway, must watch. Now, in between movies, I think it's time for a treat. And as promised, I'll be talking about the most amazing ice cream ever. One of the most amazing ice creams ever. And it's Waratah Bay ice cream. For those of you that don't live in Victoria, which is most of you, uh, this is going to be one of those nice things that you can't have. But maybe one day you will. The Waratah Bay Ice Cream Company is located down near Wilson's prom. And they have the usual things. They say, you know, they make it with fresh milk from happy cows and eggs from happy chickens well, and, and all that stuff. Everybody always says that. Who's going to say we use emaciated cows and chickens with AIDS? No, we don't. You know, this is not the way it happens. But I was in Leaf in Elwood, which we've called out earlier, the uh, organic store. And I saw this in the cooler. 
And I was kind of in an ice cream mood, and the packaging looks just glorious. And I do like Ben and Jerry's. I do like Hagen dazs I do like a lot of the locals and internationals and things like that. But something about this, something about it just looked epic. And I picked the lumpy and bumpy ice cream, which has bits of caramel and salted caramel and vanilla. And oh my God, absolutely staggering, as I said before. Now, the only place you can get it in Victoria is in Sandy Point, Fish Creek, Foster, Minian, where the hell is that, and Walkerville. I don't know where any of these places are. But you can also get it at Leaf and Elwood. I would hope that one day they'd be able to make this and, and ship it nationally, maybe internationally. But we all know what happens when things go international, like David's Cookies in um, Colorado and Los Angeles. David's Cookies was the best cookies ever. Um, Mrs. Fields, get out of here. Not even close. But then they stopped making them fresh at stores and only making them mail order. And you know what happened there. You just, It's just not as good. It's just not as good. You got to stay like Sprinkles Cupcakes in Los Angeles, which is at the, I think the 9600 block of Santa Monica uh, Boulevard in Beverly Hills. Sprinkles Cupcakes is open 24 hours and has the best cupcakes on the planet. They were introduced to me by uh, a friend in Los Angeles. And oh my God, I still dream about them from time to time. So if you can get a hold of this ice cream, it will make you a better person. And remember, everything's transparent here. These are just experiences and places that I try. We we don't have any sponsorship. There's no commercial consideration here. Although I'm open. I'm always open. Now that we're all refreshed from our ice cream, let's talk about The Vast of Night. I would never have even heard of this film. This film won uh, Best Film at the Slam Dance uh, Film Festival. Uh, I think it premiered there, might have won Best Film, uh, in January of 2019, and Amazon Studios uh, acquired it later on in the year. And it's been at drive-ins in the U.S., and video on demand on Amazon Prime Video. And it's loosely based on the Kecksburg UFO incident and Foss Lake disappearances. It uh, It's a sci-fi film, but it's a bit of horror too. And it's directed by newcomer Andrew Patterson, and it stars C.R. McCormick and Jake Horowitz. Nobody you'll ever know, but maybe you will in the future. Everyone is fantastic in this. And it's basically a switchboard operator and a radio DJ or teenage friends in a small town in the 1950s in New Mexico, and they investigate a strange sound that comes through the radio and switchboard while everyone else is at a high school basketball game. And the whole film takes place over just one night, and it's a, a very Twilight Zone-style film. And... I just can't recommend it enough. Now, some people say, oh, I don't like sci-fi. Oh, I don't like horror, things like that. But it's so riveting. The story is so tight. And it sucks you so in that um, it's just one of those that is an absolute must. An absolute must. The The film cost zero dollars to make. It was it was filmed in four weeks at less than 700 grand. And that that's like zero dollars in the film industry, where the average film now is $26 million to make the average film cost 26 million to make. So 700 grand, ridiculous. Anyway, please see this. 
And if you don't have Amazon Prime, find someone who does. And if you have no friends, just, you know, pirate it and then send them a dollar. It's unbelievable. Don't really pirate it. Um, send them a dollar and then pirate it. And then they will have gotten a royalty. No, actually never pirate. Unless you absolutely can't find something somewhere. But actually never pirate. Because, as we all remember, the FBI will come after pirates. They won't come after, you know, a whole presidential investigation of a presidential candidate. They won't come after fake FISA warrants. They won't come after um, any type of conspiracy theory. But if you pirate a movie, they'll come after you. And a real shout out to Scott Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter, who tweeted about this film. And I would know nothing about it other than that. And I thought, wow, he likes it. I know I'll like it. He is a maven. And I love surprises like that. I just saw his tweet about it, and then somebody else uh, seconded the tweet. And I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And whew, man, what a find. It's like an Easter egg. And I meant what I said about pirating. Um, pirating's a weird thing. Um, I love residual checks. There was a time in my life where I was getting a lot of residual checks, royalties, if you will. Those days are gone. But um, as VHS ended and DVD came in, that was what the writer's strike was about many years ago, getting residuals from films that didn't have digital technology in the 80s and early 90s. But that's okay. That's okay. You uh, you don't want to rob people. If you can um, legitimately get it, get it. If you can't find it at all, if you can't get it at all, um, sometimes it just has to magically appear. But uh, just remember, somebody spent a lot of time making that and deserves to get paid for it. And kind of just on that note too, because um, a lot of people probably don't understand in the old days, um, and after 40 years in the industry as a writer and producer and 10 years with Disney and the, and the rest, uh, you can check my bio. I don't know everything, but I know more than some. The, um, it used to be your film had to go to the cinema. If your film went to the cinema and it made about three times what it cost to make, so if your film cost $10 million to make and it made $30 million at the cinema around the world, well, you went in the profit and uh, split up the money if you were in for participation. And uh, most films don't make money. 90%, you know, lose money or never even get made for that matter or distributed. However, VHS changed that. Suddenly, you could make money in an aftermarket. And in fact, Waterworld was the first film, the uh, um, Kevin Costner film is the first film to lose money at the box office and then make money as a result of video cassette. And DVD, a case of a film not doing well and absolutely killing it, was Fight Club. So that, that changed everything. And now with the streamers... Oh my God. Is it that time? So, you finally arrived. What the hell are you wearing? It's my ass-kicking outfit, bitch! Yes, it is that time. It just came right up on me. What is your podcaster wearing? Well, you know what? I'm doing one for the ladies tonight. It's not what I'm wearing. It's what my wife is wearing. So the podcaster's wife is wearing some slacks by Acne, which is a Swedish label, which is um, very on point right now, and uh, a top from Montclair. And then another 
top from Montclair on top of that. She's actually double-layered two Montclairs, a heavy one and a light one, on top of these uh, kind of salmon-colored acne slacks and some um, pretty flash Gucci loafers that have uh, stars and arrows and everything and then uh, sparkly red and sparkly green. And um, pretty amazing, actually. So this is this is one for the ladies. And I know that because I saw her and gave her a nice kiss as she went out the door in her car out on the road where I may never see her again, but I'll remember what she was wearing. And that'll be part of that story of the call that never came when the phone wasn't on. That was earlier. Anyway, let's get back. So with the streamers, the, the streamers are a much different thing. If your film costs 5 or $10 million or whatever, and Netflix or Amazon Prime or um, Apple you know, Plus or whatever buys your film, they give you a fixed fee for it. Maybe less than you. <laughs> Maybe less than it costs to make your film. Maybe more, in which case you turn a profit straight away. But generally, there's no residuals. And a lot of people want to have both. So often it's great if your film is at a few festivals and gets a bit of a release and then gets a streaming deal. But uh, the streamers have been a lifesaver for filmmakers. And of course, they even finance films from the get-go, like Netflix financed The Irishman to the tune of almost $190 million U.S. dollars. Um, but even that amount of money couldn't stop Trump derangement syndrome in De Niro. But he's still an amazing actor. Uh, no amount of money can fix that. But he's still an amazing actor. We play the man, not the ball. And um, that's kind of the state of the industry right now. You used to be worried about getting your film up and people seeing it. Well, now it's pretty hard not to get a deal if you've got a finished film. But uh, still difficult to make money in the industry. But we do it. At least I did it. Because I loved my stories reaching people. I'd love that someone in Berlin, Berlin, Wisconsin, or Berlin, Germany, or, you know, Melbourne, Florida, or Melbourne, Australia, or someplace would see something that I wrote or was involved in or produced or whatever. And my philosophy would come out to them. And they might like it. They might not. They might laugh. They might cry, whatever. But we connected. And that communication is so beautiful. When you know someone on the other side of town or the other side of the world love something that you did. It, it's magical. And, and there is my hope for humanity in this fortnight of absolute inhumanity and pure insanity. And uh, uh, I don't know if we're going to ever have a return to normal. I'm not going to dwell on that this week. We're going to save that for next week. You've had enough of that now. But um, this podcast does that for me because I get the feedback from, you know, there's like 3,000 subscribers already in just 13 episodes, which was way beyond my expectations. And I know a lot more people that listen that don't subscribe. I don't know why they don't subscribe. That really gives me the shits. How hard is it to press a button? It's free. But some people don't. Those people probably don't tip either. God, I hate them when people don't tip. But um, that's that's the beauty of it. You're listening. I'm talking, we're connecting. Or maybe you're getting ready to send spiders and bloody pig's masks and a fly larva to my letterbox like the uh, eBay team of six cyberstalking the couple in Natick, Massachusetts. We don't know. I kind of feel like I'm jumping all over today, but that's the way I kind of like to do it. I do write this out as a format and then kind of pick and choose what I 
want to ex expand on, so to speak. Now, one thing that I do want to really touch on our female segment is uh, everything's a female segment. Everything's for everybody. But back in 2014, way back in 2014, I was on a river cruise, a Uniworld river cruise up the Rhine River with my wife. And it was fantastic. Absolutely relaxing. Only about 300 people, unlike a big cruise ship where you got to sit and get Wuhan flu and, you know, can't get off the ship. These stop, you know, they're right along the shore all the time. They stop constantly in little picturesque towns, cat, you know, castles everywhere. It's like, you know, a Walt Disney castle everywhere you go. And unbelievable food, fantastic service, and just very relaxing. I found it one of the most zen trips of my life. It was eight days, uh, seven nights. And uh, hey, not a bad name for a film. And we're going to do it again soon. But while I was on the boat, I remember reading about a horrible accident during the production of a film called Midnight Rider. Midnight Rider was a biopic about Greg Allman, uh, one of the Allman brothers, a fantastic band. And it was being filmed in picturesque Jessup, Georgia, which is a town about the, the size of a cigarette pack. Anyway, I remember reading about this young camera assistant named Sarah Jones. And it was the first day of production. She was 27 years old. And she was killed when the crew was asked to set up a shot, a dream sequence, on this old trestle train bridge outside of Jessup. Now, generally, as in always, when there's a film production that has trains and planes and automobiles and things, you have safety coordinators and production coordinators and people that are responsible for safety. And that would include making sure there's no trains coming on the bridge when you're shooting. And if there is, knowing when they're route is in their schedule so that you don't get hit by a train. Well, lo and behold, lo and behold, uh, this film starred William Hurt as Greg Allman, big fan of uh, William Hurt. And the film was being directed by veteran Randall Miller. Um, a number of mid-range projects, uh, one including Bottle Rocket, which is a pretty good film. Anyway, to make a long story short, Sarah Jones, as a camera assistant, was out in the middle of the bridge with a number of people on a trussel bridge, train bridge. Uh, she also had a fear of heights. It was very uncomfortable out there. And if you've ever been on a train bridge walking across you know, a river or a big gap looking down, it's pretty freaky. Also, trains were running rather regularly, but they were assured that they would be safe, and they would have about a minute and a half if they knew a train was coming to get off the bridge and, you know, get, get on land, so to speak. Now, a minute and a half is not much time at all, and especially when you're carrying a lot of equipment. Now, their argument that a minute and a half was more than enough time, but here's the problem. If a train was coming, you had to go from the center of the bridge back towards the train and then get off, you know, at the onset of the bridge. Well, a train did come. It was a very warm day. It was very hot. Everybody was sweating. Tons of equipment, trim sequence. And 
a failure of both CSX, the train company, to notify them, a failure of the safety people to be in touch with the train people, a whole absolute litany of failures that eclipsed even the Twilight Zone movie that um, killed a couple of extras and superstar Vic Morrow many, many, many years ago. Um, as the train came, everyone tried to run and get back to the onset of land, and uh, several people didn't make it and were injured. And Sarah, 20, 27 years old, Sarah Jones, on her very first film, absolutely so excited. Um, just a beautiful smile. I kept looking at the picture on the internet while I was we were, we were docked uh, on this river cruise, um, was killed. Just... Uh, it just really resonate, resonated with me, the hope and dreams of this girl um, who wanted to climb up in the film industry and being excited by um, working with William Hurt, superstar, and um, a very good director and ostensibly very good crew. Well, in 2017, her family was awarded uh, over $11 million in damages, partially by CSX, the train operator, um, uh, partially by production company insurance and there were a lot of other ancillary lawsuits that came out and uh, it did result in uh, many charges um, jail time for some participants and uh, also the director was barred from directing or being in charge of any safety issues um, from the director's guild which uh, is interesting because of late he was in the news because he was directing a film in Serbia uh, called Higher Ground and uh, that brought it back into the news again. But um, the point is, it, it, it cleared up a lot of issues in the film industry and also highlighted the difficulty of being a camera system, sound assistant, the young kids, often female, that really bear the brunt of um, dangerous work in the industry. But what, what's prescient about this and, and really resonated with me is just the other day, they revealed all the conversations that young Sarah had had with her father uh, the night before the shoot. It was her first shoot. It was boiling hot. Um, she was a bit worried about that. She was worried about heights. If you see how high this bridge is over the river and walking on a trestle and carrying tons of super expensive equipment. But the exhilaration she had of working with William Hurt, um, so excited. And they released the text of the conversation with her dad's Steve Jones, just very father-daughter, very father-daughter, very supporting. And um, she was fading in and out uh, in a rural area there. And um, they lost the conversation and sent a few texts. And some of the texts were, um, they didn't make sense. It was like predictive text gone wrong. And the last text that she got from her father was, lost you. They believe that he meant to say love you, because that's how he had signed off on previous texts. But this one was lost you. So he never got a response, and nor would she have gotten that text as she got onto the bridge the next day. But when they found her phone, they saw the last text from her father was lost you. And it just really gutted me to read that. And... Um, there it is. It's been seven years come full circle. And you never know when your first day on something so exciting could be your last day on earth, the irony on it. And uh, 
just wanted to share that story. Tutto ciò che diciamo doveva essere detto, anche se non era inteso per essere ascoltato. Everything we say was meant to be said, even if it wasn't meant to be heard. Now, on kind of a final note, something that is puzzling me, and we'll see how this plays out over the next week, is the cancel culture name change statue decimation attacks, but especially the name changes. And this has been huge in Australia rather than in the U.S. and U.K. We, uh, uh, besides everyone tearing statues down everywhere, just like ISIS, but um, we have a cheese brand here um, called Coon Cheese, which even when I came here in 1994, um, because it's such a derogatory term for black people, I thought, how can you have a cheese called that? And the defense has been, well, that was the, the, the founder's name, uh, nonetheless. Uh, but of late in uh, Australia, a lot of people are trying to get a small boutique brewery, which started in 2004 in Western Australia called Colonial Beer, and then moved to Port Melbourne some years later to change their name because Colonial may have some aspersion as far as colonials having come to uh, Australia by indigenous culture. Now, I'm sure that in every single manufacturer, you can find something that is offensive. And I think that we have gone down a very, very dangerous, slippery slope here where a couple people who go out of their way to find offense are trying to bring down corporate Australia, corporate America, corporate uh, anywhere um, because of the name. And it's been more of a groundswell. You've even had legal precedent siding on the side of the, offend, of the offended. And I, I, I think we're in danger, great danger of losing our identity and losing our countries. And by countries, you know, I mean the U.S., the U.K., and Australia um, because of those who look out of their way to find offense instead of those that look out of their way or go out of their way to find the good in things. And uh, I don't think these corporations should cave or back down. Uh, any Anyone that's been bullied in the schoolyard would tell you that you, you don't cede to a bully. The only reason it stops is if you, if you come back to them, you give it back to them. Worth a thought. Worth a thought in these times where we're supposed to be nice. And as you always know, it is nice to be important. Everyone wants to be important, feel important. But each day, each week, each hour... It's so far more important to be nice. I think we're losing nice. Have a great week. See you next Friday. Thanks so much. <laughs>